Good morning, afternoon or evening everyone and welcome to Rezoo, the Zoo Review Podcast. I'm your host Jack Baker and I am joined on this brand new journey by my incredible co-host and fellow passionate zoo lover, the one, the only, Jodie McFarlane. Say hello Jodie. Hello everyone. Presented by Pangolin, the conservation podcast, this sister show promises to explore, appreciate and highlight the fantastic conservation work of zoos from around the world while also offering a perspective of the visitor experience. To kick off our zoo review journey, we are starting with the legendary Chester Zoo. Home to 20,000 animals, this incredible collection features everything from charismatic megafauna, such as rhinos and elephants, to small, unusual creatures, such as onagas, hyraxes and eye-eyes. Today, we are going to walk you through our zoo experience, highlighting some of our favourite moments, species and enclosures, as well as some I have to admit, actually, very few areas where we saw room to make the zoo even better than it already is. We'll then wrap up with our two stars and a wish, our nice little conclusion to the show. Thank you all for joining us. Let's get started. So to get us started, of course, I think it's probably a good idea that we talk a little bit about our experiences with Chester before we visited very, very recently. So Jodie, what is your experience of Chester Zoo? Have you, before we visited for this review, have you visited before when you were a kid or anything like that? What What's your relationship with Chester? I had not visited Chester Zoo before. I knew not very much at all about <laughs> them. I had seen the television show that they have, um, Secret Life of the Zoo, I believe it's called. So I'd seen kind of bits and pieces there. And as someone who works in a zoo up in Scotland, I could appreciate it on that level. Um, and I'd heard very, very good things from my colleagues who are obviously also big animal lovers and zoo lovers. So yes, I was very excited to go, but I really went in with an open mind because I just didn't know what to expect at all. Yes, I was slightly different experience. I had not been in years. Uh, we used to go when I was a child, we would go down to Wales because my gran has a static caravan down there. We would go down every summer, every Easter, every time we had a holiday, we would be down there. And every so often I would force my family to do the pilgrimage across to Chester, which was always the highlight of the holiday. And I loved it every single time. But before we went recently, I hadn't been since I was about, oh, maybe 12-ish. So it was a, it felt like a totally new experience for me, even though I had been there previously. And yeah, it was just a really great nostalgic time. And so, yeah, it was it was great to reconnect with the zoo. And I'm very excited now to be talking about it again, because the whole time we were there, I just felt this overwhelming sense of kind of childlike joy of just like nostalgia and happiness. And like, you know, the happiness you just kind of feel in your bones, that level of <laughs> uh, <laughs> that level of joy, which I have to admit, for me, that is a stretch. I never usually get that. That So it was a it was a real special moment for me. And I think the whole journey that we went on around the zoo and everything we saw kind of kicked off on a really good note. If we start right back from when we arrived, I think my per first impressions of the zoo were, were really, really positive. When we arrived, we got parked very easily. We were there bright and early. And what we realised very quickly was that the gift shop and all of that kind of area, we could get into a coffee shop before the zoo even opened, which was mm -hmm. a big plus. I don't know, did that kind of help your first impressions, being able to visit all of these things nice and early? Yeah, because um, obviously when I'm at work up in Scotland in our zoo, I work for the, the visitor experience department doing various things in there. So I'm always interested in that kind of side because that's what I would be doing if I was there so like me and you were driving in and I was sitting there going Jack 
look how big the car park is. I was so excited <laughs> by the car park because it was huge. And they had like attendants wandering about the car park. And then there was like just so much going on at the entrance alone. I was, my mind was blown already. And Jack was like, Jory, we're not even inside. We haven't even seen any animals yet. But I just get really excited by the things that other people might find boring. I was like, look how many windows there are for buying tickets. And then we went through a gate and there was like, more gates and it was just huge um but yes anyway um yeah i thought it was actually really good that although the zoo didn't open till was it 10 i think um we got there i think around about half past nine and we there was already staff milling about at the front so we kind of went and spoke to them um and they directed us where to go and kind of waved us through and you could go in and have a little look in the gift shop which i think for us was a, a good shout because we know that at the end of the day that's when most people are going to the gift shop and it means that you have to kind of rush at the end of the day to fit that in and that maybe takes away from some of your zoo time so being able to go there first thing not only kind of gets you out of the cold for half an hour instead of hanging around waiting for the zoo to open but yeah and it meant that you could do that at the beginning and then it didn't waste valuable time at the end and then being able to go in and get a coffee to to kick you off on your journey was pretty good as well so yeah I mean, I feel like people have come here for the animal content and I'm just <laughs> raving about the entrance. But I was I was impressed um, just because it was big and professional and slick. And yeah, really good first impression, I think. Yes, I know we're, we're not doing a rating system. We're not doing 10 out of 10. We're not doing anything like that. But for first impressions, that was 10 out of 10. I it loved was, Oh, and they had flags. They had flags, Jack. I was like, flags. <laughs> 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 I, they like had flags. Entering a castle, it was amazing. <laughs> Oh, and then I suppose if we shift now, as much as I loved the coffee and the gift shop and all of that, we shift now <laughs> to the animals. I think the greatest benefit of the way that Chester is set up is that not only do you get a gift shop and some coffee at the start, you, of course, your first impression as you walk in is the incredible huge area, outdoor area for the Asian elephants. Mm -hmm. um, now, I always remember being a kid and wanting to stand there for all hours all day because you would walk in and see these things that you'd never seen before and it was just so amazing there's something a lot of big animals I think are entertaining but they just kind of wander about and do their thing whereas mm. elephants having them first not only are they amazing to see they're constantly doing something so they're yeah. all like the little ones were playing and scrambling all over each other and like the big ones look kind of grump but they all had this great personality great kind of yeah it just was such a good first impression and a great thing to see especially kind of highlighting these endangered animals first and it just yeah it was a fantastic first impression in terms of animals as well as gift experience that you could kind of view right off the bat excellent excellent i don't know you i think also had a, a similarly uh i don't know similarly falling in love moment uh probably not the most eloquent way i could have said that uh, said that but uh you equally i think fell in love with the elephants when you first saw them um did you yeah, yeah yeah absolutely because um up in scotland there's not that many collections that have elephants although i have seen them in various parks it's not something that we see very often and i feel like certainly not on that scale because they had so many and then as you say they had babies as well you know there was different age groups and I also thought that the information that they had about each of their individual elephants was really good as well as the information that they had there about you know elephants in general so that was really nice and I thought the enclosure um, was pretty cool and it had a big sort of waterfall looking thing yeah and I just thought it was a really impressive first thing to walk in and see and a point that I made at the time was that at first, I was almost a little nervous because I thought if you're kicking off with your biggest 
a most impressive animal like surely then everything that comes after it's gonna almost be a little bit of an anticlimax but it wasn't like that it was like going in you saw the elephants that set the bar and then that standard was met all the way through like it set the tone for the rest of the day the entire rest of the day and I think yeah it was it was a very impressive very impressive standard that was set and it met it continually yes especially not just in design and wow factor and everything also I think and something that we're going to mention a lot throughout the podcast is in terms of conservation value mm-hmm. I think a great thing about Chester is um I had to go onto their website to remind myself of some of the different projects they're involved with I will hold my hands up but is a lot of the animals that they had and that we saw are all part of important conservation programs and so for the elephants they have this program to deal with or to try and combat the herpes virus that is very prolific in elephants, both in the wild and in captivity. Um, And so having something there that has this conservation message to have this endangered species, there's this great conservation value and educational value when you first walk in as well, which I think is a really great first foot to kind of set off on the journey with. And it only kind of, as you say, continued at that level as we went on throughout our our journey uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the zoo, because after our elephants, we of course headed for big cats. As zoo people, and this is a top tip for anyone who is not a, a zoo person or a cat person, cats are always up first thing in the morning. If you want to see a tiger, if you want to see a lion, if you want to see a jaguar, if you want to see anything, head straight for them as soon as you arrive at the zoo because they are mm-hmm. always up. We know that personally from seeing Dharma and Luku, the tigers at Edinburgh Zoo, very, very often we will always, uh, Edinburgh Zoo is based on a hill, so we will always first thing <laughs> in the morning run up a hill to see them. Yes. Chester, it was absolutely no different. Uh, we made a beeline first for the lions and then across to the jaguars. And to start the day with a couple of really incredible big cats was fantastic. When I visited previously, when I was younger, the lion enclosure was right in the center of the zoo, but they've moved it off to the side and built this whole new glossy, nice, very fancy lion enclosure, which looks fantastic. Great signage, great viewpoints for the animals. It was all glass, so it felt mm-hmm. like they were right there. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. They're Asiatic lions that they have at Chester, which, um, as we know uh, from the multiple people we've probably talked to about the lions, uh, at Edinburgh Zoo, they have the same type. Uh, they are critically endangered. There are very few of them left in the wild, and they are only found in one place, which is the Gur Forest in India. So to have, yes, this kind of interesting species, the lion, but with a twist almost, because I think a lot of people think African lions straight away. It's another great kind of thing to see. And the presentation of them was absolutely fantastic. I, I don't know. What was your impression of lions? Um, What was my impression of lions? Well, we got there and I think there was two females who were just kind of sitting, chilling. And then there was a male who was kind of prowling around, um, going up to them, trying to interact. And they were just not bothered. And I remember just appreciating that energy first thing in the morning. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. As you say, I mean, it's always like... And that is not in a bad way, but like when it's an animal that we are so used to seeing because we have them at Edinburgh, sometimes it's a bit like, I don't know, like it's it's never underwhelming, but you know, it's always just like, oh yeah, these guys, we know them. Like, yeah, yeah, nothing really new to add. Um, it's just always nice to see them. So yeah, yeah, but I do agree. I liked that they had the enclosure, which was glass um, and it made it really easy to kind of see them, but without compromising on the quality of the enclosure for the animals, if that makes sense. Yes, it still felt like if they wanted to hide and get yes, away, yes, that's exactly they didn't what I mean. have to be seen. But for people like me who like photography and taking pictures of these animals, you got a fantastic, with the glass, that fantastic um, viewpoint and kind of perspective, that kind of, yeah, that look into their world, which was excellent. 
and similarly again with the Jaguars which we headed to next that kind mm-hmm. of connection with them and the glass it felt like they were right there and they could come up and mm-hmm. there was a point where <laughs> I was standing looking through the glass like Jody tell me if there's a if there is a Jaguar coming and then out of nowhere this thing just appears right beside yeah. me and it was like <laughs> oh <laughs> there they are and and I remember the building is called the Spirit of the Jaguar I remember loving that as a child because I love Jaguars they are a an unusual cat for me because they are something that we I don't see very often but they are kind of there's something about a chunky kind of beefy cat that <laughs> just I, I love it because a lot of them are quite slender and uh, graceful looking things but jaguars they look like they could really really beat you up if they wanted to I believe they actually have the bite, strongest bite force of any big cat so um, yes they are this kind of intimidating thing but still the enclosure and everything you felt this kind of serene connection with them it was it was fantastic and I don't know I I'm gonna... the, just there as you said chunky beefy cat my own cat <laughs> dived off the top of the door and landed <laughs> on the couch behind my head so if anyone got that background noise I do apologize but she was right on cue for you there Jack <laughs> I love how I professionally glossed over that moment without <laughs> even jumping that was that was the equivalent of when the the jaguar appeared next to me when I was trying to get a picture and then yes <laughs> exactly it was a recreation of that moment yes especially for our listeners <laughs> but yes before I hand over to you I again want to highlight for everyone the conservation work or the conservation message that is highlighted by Chester with the jaguars is of course that these animals are at risk of becoming extinct deforestation habitat fragmentation these are themes that are going to come up a lot throughout the the podcast because they are mm. things that affect a lot of different species but they are really important things they will affect species like jaguars and so by having representatives of them at the zoo and educating people about these things in such an excellent and pristine lovely way was fantastic I don't know what were your jaguar impressions I love I've bigged it up a lot but if you have any comments <laughs> yeah no it was really lovely actually to see the jaguars because we don't don't think we have any in Scottish collections at the moment I might be wrong there but um certainly none that I can recall and although I have seen them in the past I want to say at Paris Zoo um so I have seen them, but very rarely. So it was really, really nice to get to see them there. And as you say, they kind of came so up close and I just thought the enclosure um, was really, really well designed for them as well. And that whole building, actually, I just loved because we went in and before you got through to the bit where the Jaguars were, um, there was a few different enclosures going on there. So there was the bush dogs and then a really nice big fish tank in the middle of it which being former aquarium people I feel like we always <laughs> appreciate and um, so that was lovely and then up above there was like a string of what looked like cobwebs but made out of rope like a big tangled rope system and I remember looking up thinking what's the what's going on with this why is this up here and then just spotting a big fluffy bundle up on the roof like in these ropes and realized it was a sloth like just hanging there and I just lost my head like I just love sloths we just bought them at Edinburgh and they got a whole new facility so it's really exciting and then to see them in that kind of enclosure where it just felt so open and it was like there's just a sloth hanging up above my head like I I just thought it was so cool and probably would have missed them if I hadn't known what to look out for but yeah I just thought and it was kind of at first kind of seemed like unusual animals to bring all together in one building but I feel like it worked and it was just yeah I just was really blown away with that being the first kind of indoor building that we went into I feel like that set the tone for all the indoor buildings that were to come yes South Central America Jodie it all makes sense all links up uh, <laughs> but yes this loss for me I think 
yeah, stood out just because I, as I as a very nervous person, looked up and went, they're going to fall. They're going to, and I know, <laughs> um, as if it was me, I would have plummeted to the ground instantly if someone went climbing along those ropes. But I should have had more faith because they, they looked very happy, very chilled up there. I did like mm-hmm. the little, <laughs> the, the real highlight for me was the little sign on the, the little island that they had next to the, the water that just had a, a subtle message that says, sloths come down to poop once a week. So that's why like it was a an interesting choice to include it, but I appreciated the the highlighting of their their toilet habits because that's always the first question you get from kids. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's nice that they answered that before even anyone had to ask. And yes, I suppose moving from one tree dwelling, charismatic, lovely species to another, we then moved across to the realm of the red ape, which again I remember loving as a child because. The red ape is, of course, the Bornean orangutan. They are critically endangered in the wild due to things such as, funnily enough, uh, deforestation, habitat fragmentation, and also the plantations of kind of oil palm. So it's a really another great conservation story to message and, and hit home. And I think what I appreciated most about this building was not just the conservation message, but it was also the the use of space was so clever because not only did you have the orangutans, which pull people in, the charismatic kind of, oh, we want to go and see that. When you got in there, you also had snakes and you had mm-hmm. spiders and all sorts of other smaller species, which might necessarily not necessarily get huge crowds straight away, but because you are kind of on your on the pathway, you're kind of forced to go past and forced to look at them. It brings a new light and a new kind of highlights these species that perhaps people would not spend time looking for otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a fantastic, I think, and very clever use of space to kind of highlight these these species. I don't know. I, I know you felt the same with the kind of clever use of space and in indoor things. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really, really liked that whole building. Um, it just felt like such a big space, but like none of it was wasted. And I think it was the first time I'd seen orangutans as well. I feel like for a zoo person, I'm really coming out with like, I'd never seen this, I'd never seen that, but just haven't really seen them much. Um, yeah, and I've liked that their outside space was really impressive. And then they had really big indoor areas as well. And like you say, yeah, sort of in between each window, they had these different that had all the different snakes and whatnot in them and yeah I was just so I mean I quite like snakes anyway so I feel like I'm always quite fairly easily impressed by them but once we got around the corner and they had that tank that had the really big snakes in them I can't remember what they were but there was like we counted about five or six of them I'm sure beautiful like shiny just and their faces were right there and I feel like there was people scurrying behind me being like oh my goodness I do not want to stop here because they were freaking out whereas I had my face like as close to the glass as I could get without spooking the snakes because it was just so beautiful to see them on display like that and I feel like a lot of places don't display things like reptiles very much because some people might not like them but I liked that they were like nope we like snakes we're putting them on display you're gonna have to appreciate them whether you want to or not same with the spider and then, of course, we have to mention the bonus red panda that was in there. <laughs> we, like, we turned uh, past this little bit to a new window and there was just one little red panda there sleeping in a tree. And I love red pandas. So I was very excited. Don't really know why it was in there with no other ones. But I was like, you know what? I'm not complaining. I'll take a bonus red panda any day. 
Mm-hmm. It was gingers only. That was the theme of the building. <laughs> <laughs> gingers only allowed. Official sponsor, Iron Brew. Um, <laughs> um, no, it was, yes, an, an interesting addition. I'm sure there was a very good reason. Yeah, there would have been. Out, there would have been. Yes. It just, I feel uh, like if we had thought to ask, and we could have asked the volunteer that was in that building, um, which we should probably mention too, there was a volunteer floating around in there who was coming up to people and pointing out, you know, where to see, like the spider and things that were a little bit harder to see and telling people, you know, the best spots to stand to get a good glimpse of um, of the orangutans and things. So I feel like shout out to her because she was really bigging up all the creatures in there. I know, I, do, I we didn't catch her name, but she was fantastic because she knew the orangutan's name. She knew this, she knew that. And she was kind of taking the time to speak. Like, we didn't go to her to ask questions. She came to us to answer questions that she, mm-hmm. she was like, these people will have questions. She could obviously get catch our drift of being like zoo people. She was came up and she knew you as soon as you saw her, you like she saw us. She knew we would have questions, and it was it was perfect. And I think also just before we move on from the realm of the red ape, I do think it's important to mention that I kind of threw in the palm oil fact there. But something I want to highlight actually about Chester is that they do a lot of work with palm oil, and in 2019 they succeeded in making Chester the world's first sustainable palm oil city. So they worked with restaurants across the city to ensure that all of the palm oil that was used was kind of sustainably sourced and sourced properly. And they have a great guide. I can't, I'll try and if I can find the link, I'll pop it in the description of the episode. They had a great guide a while ago that was kind of listed all the companies that use sustainable palm oil. It was just a fantastic, great list. And I will pop that in the description because it's such an easy change that you can make for conservation purposes, because obviously sustainable palm oil or palm oil, sorry, not sustainable palm oil, they will just clear forest and plant these trees. Whereas if you source it sustainably or if you don't source it or if you know how to avoid it completely, um, you can make a big difference to a lot of different species, including, of course, linking it back in the Bornean orangutans. Um, So, yes, that was kind of um, a great I, I, we're gonna have to find something to criticize because we are <laughs> this is our first one we're gonna have to be critical about something i'm sure we'll find maybe a small small thing somewhere it was too enjoyable no um <laughs> so <laughs> um yes it was just a fantastic fantastic moment and i think this is where my excitement was kind of peaking the one thing i suppose at this point that the one critique i would have is that there was so many directions to go from here that we kind of got lost yeah. and felt like we were getting a bit confused and that's probably largely on us for just wanting to see everything all at once mm-hmm. but um i would advise if you were there especially in the kind of if you're looking at a map of chester up where the realm of the red ape and the penguins and flamingos which we're about to talk about there's a lot of paths that kind of cross over and go here and go there and everything so just be careful at this stage if you're following the same route as us that you don't miss anything because I feel like if you weren't paying attention, you could easily walk past something. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I helpfully have a map open in another tab, <laughs> uh, which I'm just looking at right now. And as you're going around, it does have sort of A, B, C, D. You know, it has little points, a suggested route that you can follow so that you hit all the main things. But yeah, like you say, there's just lots of little paths and even on a path, you know, where there might not be one of the main animals, there was still like something to see. So yeah, it's, you could so easily like choose one path rather than another and then miss something. Um, and I feel like we were very paranoid that we were going to miss something. So we were a little bit stressed and <laughs> had the map up many times so that we didn't miss anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that that is a good point. Because I remember coming out of there, we were a bit like, just there was paths going off in every direction and we were like oh my goodness where do we go 
Mm -hmm. I did think it was funny that it was kind of 10-year-old Jack was charging ahead while Jody stood behind going, where are we going? Where are we? What's happening? Uh, like, <laughs> Any no, sense to this? this? <laughs> uh, and it turns out 10-year-old Jack's brain does not it does not exist anymore very well um so we did have to rely on that map which was it was fine we got we made it around everything and the next thing we found of course was a couple of different birds we found the latin american wetland aviary um, and we also found the penguins which were really interesting now the latin american aviary latin american wetland <laughs> aviary that's a mouthful um, was closed for us because of bird flu um, which is at the time of recording quite a big issue um, yes. so that was all closed but we could still see the flamingos and a lot of different species through the the mesh what there was a <laughs> there was a species in there which were little pink birds uh, <laughs> yeah jack found this very funny at the time because picture this right we're pretty far back from the enclosure there's a big wall of mesh in the way and lots of plants and the birds were kind of over a little bit of water so they were pretty far away from us and all I could see was lots and lots of pink birds some of which were very clearly flamingos over on the left <laughs> and then over on the right there was other birds which were exactly the same color and from a distance like they kind of looked a different shape and size but I mean they were still bird shaped and from a distance I was trying to work out like what they were and I just thought it was more flamingos and I said to Jack why are those flamingos separated from those ones and then he just found this very hilarious and I mean, I'm still not quite sure what I said that was so funny but I mean unless the, the just the vision like unless the the birds the, the flamingos were about <laughs> three miles away they were clearly a different species of bird now I don't I'm know it was myself. early in the morning I was so overwhelmed you know I just saw the pink and thought flamingo so I feel like we can't, apart from that story, we can't give a fair assessment because we couldn't go fully in, but it did look like they, they when we went um, the next day, we spoke to somebody and they were talking about how they'd just redone the aviary mm -hmm. and it looked um, like it, it did look very fancy and nice. We couldn't fully experience it, which is completely fair. Um, and there were still some signs on the outside, I think, that kind of gave a little bit of information, which was good. Um, but the birds that we could go up and see were the penguins, of course. Now, I believe we are slightly biased because <laughs> Edinburgh Zoo, which we both work at, has one, it's the largest? I think it's the largest penguin enclosure in Europe, yeah. Yes, so we have a lot of penguin, we are harsh penguin critics. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So we have to be, we'll try and be fair here, but yes, I think the, the penguin space that they did have was very, very, was not very small, um, but it was um, smaller than what we're, we were used to, but still, I think, very good. Lots of glass to see them kind of under the water in a raised platform to see them from above. So I still very much enjoyed it. What were, what were your thoughts on the penguins? Yeah, that was one of the only bits, I think, that I was perhaps slightly underwhelmed. But then, even then, it pains me to say that because I'm like, no, I just loved everything and everything was still so impressive. Like, it wasn't anything to fault Chester on as you say it's just that we are so used to such a big penguin area um that by comparison it perhaps felt a little bit smaller and I think they only had one type of penguin whereas we've got three um <laughs> so it was not that I like point scoring um not at all like I still think penguins are lovely and I did really like the closure that they had yeah the only thing was when we went the I think there was like one swimming about in the water but then all the other ones were up on the little land bit which was kind of far away from where we were so I just feel like we weren't we weren't too close to them but 
no, I didn't. I don't. I don't want to say that I had an issue with it because I didn't. I still loved it. <laughs> <laughs> We're nit- anyone listening who works at Chester or who represents Chester. We are nitpicking because there is yeah. so few things that we were like this isn't great everything was perfect so we have yes. to be it's like i don't know if you watch four in a bed it's like when they start turning mattresses over on if you're not <laughs> we just have to find something UK. wrong yeah. <laughs> one yeah. tiny crack but we will find it <laughs> yes if you're not from the uk four in a bed is a hilarious show where four B owners go and basically rate each other's bed and breakfast experiences and they're all crazy and they're like finding lighting they're like turning over lighting fixtures like ripping up toilets carpets just trying to find something wrong and this is what we're doing for Chester Mm -hmm. Zoo they're like running their finger along the top of the curtain pole to find like a speck (laughs) of dust that's what we're doing here with the penguins Uh, it's a speck that's all it is yeah it was I don't even think it would move it down a full point if we were no 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 not um what would move, move it down a full point and this is nothing against Chester it is against the otters because I really wanted to see a giant otter and they yeah. and they were right next to the penguins and I, I all day I wanted to we kept nipping back to see them and they were just chilling and I mean can't hold it too much against them but I would have liked to see a giant otter and sadly we did not so yeah. if you do want to see them make sure you have plenty of time allocated to knit backwards and forwards to see if they're there yeah because I, I mean we I've seen otters before but I don't think I've actually seen giant otters again another thing that I hadn't seen um <laughs> so I was hoping to see them but yeah because we went back I feel like a good number of times over the sort of two days that we were there um and we we just never spotted them but then I know from Edinburgh the otters that we have up there often only come out sort of in the afternoon or that's when they're more active so you know it'll be maybe spotting the otters is sort of you need that inside knowledge of of working there to know when you're most likely to see them so yeah we can't hold that against Chester that was just the otters not one <laughs> Which is uh, fair. We're not going to be those people who are like, they wouldn't come out. <laughs> banging on the glass. That's a, t- a top zoo tip. If you don't want to make enemies of everyone who works in a zoo, never bang on glass because no. we will hate you forever. And also, no if you somehow think that banging on the glass will make the animal more likely to engage with you, you are wrong. So maybe just don't do that. Yes, please refrain from glass banging. Um, oh, what a tra- I just I've just looked at my next note. What a transition because we go. How, what, I don't know what's coming next, but what are we? How is glass banging a transition to anything? The lovely <laughs> aquarium. The lovely. Oh, of aquarium. course, of course, the aquarium. Yes. Because every time I go to an aquarium, all I can think of is Darla um, from <laughs> Finding Nemo, where. Mr. Fishy! Um, So, uh, yes, that is where we were heading with that one. And I think to have an aquarium in a zoo is something that not many zoos have. They occasionally have so fish tanks with a couple of things, maybe a coral reef tank and maybe something interesting here and and there. But to have a whole dedicated aquarium building, which I I thought was a really nice touch, the only place that I have to compare it to in my mind where they had a full aquarium was Amsterdam Zoo. And Amsterdam Zoo's aquarium, I remember being absolutely fantastic and um, having all sorts of different rays and sharks and all sorts of things and I, I remember that being kind of top 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 tier of aquariums I haven't been in years but that's kind of the stick in my mind moment of kind of a, uh, a zoo aquarium um, and so when we went into this I was kind of nervous because I know it's smaller and have less kind of diverse species but I thought the species they did have were really interesting really good they had a mix of kind of charismatic interesting the standard things you'd expect to see like clownfish 
and then they also had things like the upside down jellyfish and all sorts of things so mm. it was a it was a good mix of the kind of things you'd see regularly and unusual things and I don't know what did what were your your thoughts on the aquarium yeah this was one of my only only points where I felt like I wanted more from this and this is that's that's a you Jack's just made a, a real shocked <laughs> face because I know that is a big statement about Chester yeah but then also I have to say that I'm very biased because having worked in an aquarium I feel like well you two like we are aquarium people so yes like my expectations are always very high and yeah like I've as you say I feel like what the the little aquarium that they had there was very nice I just wanted more but that's just because I always want more aquarium because I love aquariums um, but then on the other hand I acknowledge that obviously the you know we know from the local knowledge that they have another large aquarium not far from Chester Zoo that is kind of the main aquarium in that area so it wouldn't make sense for the zoo to have a big aquarium you know in in itself because the main ones kind of just round the corner and um, so with that in mind as you see yeah it's nice that they included anything at all and I think they had I think one of the first things you saw when you went in there was like a coral tank and I always appreciate a coral tank they're very hard to keep so I thought that was nice and this is also a random point but something that I liked about the aquarium because I feel like the building was kind of tucked away a little bit and you might struggle to find it but on approach to the building there was a little like fish painted on the ground and so if you followed the little trail of fish swimming you found the aquarium which I just thought was a really cute little touch. Mm -hmm. And I thought it shows our uh, our mindset in that I like a child saw a painted fish and went "Ooh, let's follow those. <laughs> yeah follow the fish. <laughs> um, yes and yeah the aquarium of course that Jodie is referring to is the blue planet right around the corner well right around, I, we didn't go so I don't know how far away it is but um, we passed many signs for it on many, the way so. Many yes so it is yes and I remember it was nice is it banded cardinals that they had I that's the kind of they're the ones that you had one in your fish tank the, the oh the is, was it a bangai cardinal I want to say Yes, I, can't remember. I get. I'm so overwhelmed by the <laughs> and then they had seahorses, and I love seahorses. I think that was the point where I like smacked my hand off the glass by accident trying to point to something because the glass was so clean. I didn't realize it was there. So there's a there's a, a star for the aquarium. It was well well clean. Yes, and actually a star for the whole of Chester Zoo. A, a brief mention to the cleanliness of yeah, the actually. whole place. I think we saw. The yeah, only like not thing... only the the glass of the enclosures and whatnot, but just like in terms of litter and all that kind of thing. Actually, yeah, I hadn't really thought of that before now, but yeah, it was like sparkling. I remember you saying when we were leaving and getting in the car and kind of it was like the only thing you noticed was a face mask that had been dropped. And that the only reason you clocked it was because everything else was so spotless that it was mm -hmm. like, oh, it stood out because everything else was perfectly clean. Yeah. And we did go in November, so maybe it's a bit quieter than during the summer months, so maybe easier to clean. But to have it at that standard was fantastic and it just built on the experience because it was like sometimes you walk around places and you kind of think oh there's clearly been a descent of picnickers and mm -hmm. all of these things and there's just rubbish everywhere but there was nothing and I it was fantastic so shout out to whoever cleans Chester Zoo because you're doing a fantastic job now Oh, I don't have as good of a transition this time. I've not set myself up well, but oh, um, <laughs> disappointing. I know. Uh, but after the aquarium, we went across to the chimps. And now 
I'm a fan of chimps. It was exactly how I remembered it from when I was younger. Um, whether that's a good thing or not, I'll let you make up your mind. I still loved it. And I think it was really great because not only do they have the chimps at Chester um, as kind of ambassadors, ambassadors of the species, they actually are, Chester Zoo is actually working with the Nigerian um, National Park Service to conserve chimpanzee habitats. So something else to highlight as a really positive plus there, because I think chimpanzees are a very popular species. They ha you see them in a lot of zoos, but it's nice that they go beyond just kind of having them there as representatives. They back that up with actual real world actions out in the out in the wild as well, which I, I really appreciate. I don't know. The standout for me was, of course, the little one um, who was yeah. swinging around, <laughs> banging on the glass, looking for attention. Wanting to have his photo taken, he was just fantastic and very, very cute and very amusing. And I think winding everybody else up because he saw um, groups of, I think it was a scout group or something come in and it was like, it is showtime. It's on. <laughs> now it's my time to shine. Um, and so, yes, that was fantastic for me to see a critically endangered species kept in such a nice, positive way. Also educational and cute. Always a good combo. Uh, what about yourself, Jodie? Yeah, um, no. I'm going to make a bold statement here, and I don't know if I should make this statement as a zoo person, and now especially <laughs> given that it's going to be on record for anyone to, to hear and reference back to, mm -hmm. but confession time. I am not a fan of chimps. Right? <gasps> I know. I feel like it's the one animal that I can honestly say I just don't know if I like, and it's not like I appreciate that they're intelligent, and they're amazing and and whatnot, but they just freak me out, right? It's just, <laughs> it's all just a little bit too Planet of the Apes for me. It's something about them just unsettles me. However, the reason I'm saying this is because it turns into a bonus for Chester. But given how much <laughs> I really don't love chimps much, it, it therefore takes a lot for me to feel positively towards them. But that little one that you just mentioned who was like swinging around, it was probably the first time I've been like, oh, at a chimp, right? And I feel like, yeah, as you said, like he was swinging around. It's like, if you've seen The Greatest Showman, you know, when like Zendaya's <laughs> doing her, she's like swinging around on that rope, just living her best life with her hair blowing. Like that was, that was that little one. It was having a grand time. So yeah, I feel like it was one of the first instances where I've seen a chimp and actually been like, do you know what? Maybe they're not so bad. So they're coming from, that sounds like a negative, but actually coming from me in terms of chimps, it's actually a, a very big positive. I think so. I think I'm going to consider that a win. Yeah. And for everything we talk about in the future, we do plan on doing more of these. So every zoo we talk about in the future that holds chimps will be held to this account, this level, mm -hmm. this uh, standard of making Jodie fall in love and not being scary. But to be fair, actually, there is times where you hear them going for each other or they're just shrieking and it, it freaks me out is because it's like if that animal was to get out it would yeah because uh, they are they they just are kind of i don't i shouldn't say that because they probably they're probably very gentle and very friendly but just the kind of the sheer strength is intimidating and it makes me nervous so yeah um i can i can see what you where you're coming from i don't agree but i can see where you're coming from <laughs> now we once we left the chimps we came to my favorite part a, a memory that will stick with me till the day i die which was nothing to do necessarily immediately with the animals um actually it's totally to do with the animals but it's a combination of things it's the fact we were standing next to a map and as jody previously mentioned they have very helpful markers a b c d throughout the park to say 
you can follow these and they will take you on a route. So we're standing in between some lovely Congo buffalo and giraffe. And I'm looking at the, the map on my phone. Um, and it's a very peaceful, just taking a moment of of rest. Um, and Jodie looks at the, the map that's on the wall um, and she goes, oh, Jack, we're in the P zone. Now, <laughs> as Jodie says, we're in the P zone. It is like she has triggered a urine track explosion. There is pee coming out of buffalo. There is pee coming out of giraffes. There is pee coming out of everywhere. And it was <laughs> the most- What I love most about this moment as well is that I was completely oblivious to all of this going on behind me. You were dying behind me, like watching all of this happening in fits of laughter. And I was too busy staring at the map like figuring out that we were in the pee zone. <laughs> we I were turned certain. around and chaos had just had, was just raining. <laughs> we were firmly planted in the pee zone. <laughs> like, the buffalo are fairly low level, so it was just a, a, a gentle stream, but the giraffes, it was really a, a waterfall of just water. <laughs> and I, just, I don't know why I found it so amusing, and it's probably, it's very potty humour, quite literally, but... <laughs> It really, it really stuck in my brain and I will never forget that moment because it was so funny. And if I ever visit Chester again and enter the P-Zone, I am expecting <laughs> nothing less. From those I know, it's timing that we just couldn't have made up. I feel like around, that was around about the same area as well. There was something, was it one of the buffalo? Like, it was just, you turned around and it was randomly like licking a wall, but like not gently. It had its whole face smooshed against the wall, like tongue out, just like licking all the moss off of it. And I was like, this has turned into a very strange afternoon. I like, loved it. I loved it because <laughs> those buffalo, I think, are, and it's a strange thing to say, um, but they were strangely beautiful buffalo. They were this nice kind of dark mahogany colour. They were very pretty buffalo. And also, of course, we had the giraffe to appreciate behind us. And mm -hmm. of course, Something slightly unusual were the okapi. Now, I'd seen okapi previously in the year at uh, London Zoo when I visited there earlier this year. We'll have to do a review of London Zoo at some point because it was very, very fun as well. Um, but um, yes, when we visited London, when I visited London Zoo and then when again, again, when I visited Chester, I was reminded of just how fantastic and wonderful okapi are. For anyone who don't know, doesn't know, the okapi is a very, a relatively new species. It was only, uh, quote unquote, discovered in 1901, at which time the British Museum thought that they were looking at a new spe species of zebra because it has these kind of striped legs, brown torso, but ultimately, yeah, kind of the stripes make it look quite zebra-esque. Um, but in fact, they're more closely related to giraffe and they're just, yeah, they're fantastic. They're only found in the Democratic Repu Republic of Congo. They're endangered. So it's an important representation to have them there. And I know in the past, Chester successfully bred the okapi. And yeah, it's just fantastic moment for me because I've always loved them. I remember them from when I was younger, kind of seeing these incredible, incredible creatures. And they are equally inspiring to this day, if not strange. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they had as much of an impact on you, but I certainly love them. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think by that point, like with all the chaos that was going on around us with like the buffalo licking the wall and the pee flying everywhere. And I was <laughs> just trying to get us to the giraffes and all this was happening. I was like, OK, Jack, come on, we need to move. <laughs> uh, that's fair. That is fair. Um, and speaking of the giraffes, I suppose we should mention them. They are we got some very nice photos with gir the giraffes. They are clearly very, very friendly. Mm. Um, so many as well like they were all i think inside as we approached and we were lucky that just as soon as we were walking towards them before all that chaos started raining um they all slowly started coming <laughs> out choice. started raining 
<laughs> thankfully not raining on us um but yeah they all came out and it was like after maybe three had come out i was like oh wow but then they just kept coming and i was mm -hmm. like surely there can't be many more and they just kept piling out and it was just like wow it was a clown car of giraffes and it was yes fantastic. yeah um, how can they all fit in there but yeah they just kept on coming and then of course yes you go into the giraffe house and there was still some hanging around in there even yeah. though hundreds had poured out you then kind of go through the okapi house and they have again like in the realm of the red ape they have the kind of highlighting smaller species um, yeah. i believe there was dick dick love a dick dick um <laughs> always a highlight for me please do not clip that audio fantastic <laughs> wonderful species and yeah just nice to see them alongside another one of my favorites of course the okapi mm -hmm. and yes Claps to Chester Zoo for having two fantastic. Uh, well, I suppose giraffes are also, and the Congo buffalo. Having this is the problem. Everything is such a highlight. I keep being like, congratulations, Chester, for doing this so well because you mm -hmm. put all of my favourites together. But if I started expanding that, it would be the whole zoo. So we'll yes. have to be just dial it back slightly. Um, <laughs> but once you get through that space um, and have successfully not been peed on, uh, you then arrive at. Um, there are Red River hogs just a brief mention because I do think of all of the hogs they are one of the most beautiful um and then you enter the tropical realm which features one of my favorite animals inexplicably which is a Victoria crowned pigeon now I don't know why I love well actually I do know why I love a Victoria crowned pigeon because they are camp if they went to the yeah. camp Met Gala they would have won the camp Met Gala they are it's like a regular pigeon fantastic. in drag it's fantastic they are just <laughs> I actually unintentionally on the first day at Chester went dressed in the colours of a Victoria crown pigeon. That is how much I love them. They are these bright blue with kind of feathers on the crest of their kind of head. They have these, it's bright kind of red eyes. They're just like these fantastic, beautiful things. And they're so confident that mm -hmm. they're kind of one of those animals that like, oh, you're smaller than me. If I walk towards you, it'll kind of move out the way. It'll be fine. But they don't move. They are there to fight and win and oh I, yeah you're in their uh, space like they're just yeah. letting you know <laughs> yep and i think just to mention the tropical realm it's a it's an indoor building it's a it's a kind of bigger space uh, they have the victoria crown pigeons of course but then they mm -hmm. also have radiated tortoise um, which are critically endangered and um, so great if you want to hear more about them listen to the land of the lemurs our last series because fantastic um they, uh, it's just such a fantastic space. It's got the tortoises, hornbills, all sorts of different birds, reptiles. And then you walk through and you see the ii as well. So just a very interesting kind of nice collection. And I think especially in November, it was nice to go inside where it was nice and warm and mm, have all these species mm -hmm. flying around you. I don't know, what was your impression of this kind of space? Yeah, I liked it. I, I like birds. Um, so I always like a birdhouse. I feel like if you're someone who is scared of birds, then this is not for you um, because there were many, many birds. And like, I mean, I've been in a lot of birdhouses at various zoos and there's normally like, you know, a, a fair number of birds. I like You went in here and I mean, they were everywhere. Like there were so many, more than I thought would be possible to have in a birdhouse. But like, it was fantastic because they were just... And what was nice was that like you said about the pigeons it really felt like you were in their space 
like they were not they weren't scared of you they weren't going to move for you like so you really had to be sort of respecting them in their space which I feel like everybody did when we were in there and yeah it was just really nice to see so many free flying and then they had some that were in enclosures as well and at one point like along the kind of far wall they had I think hornbills and it was it reminded me of you know like Russian dolls where it's all an identical doll but they're just kind of getting bigger as it goes up the line <laughs> but like at one point we were wandering from enclosure to enclosure and with each one it looked like an identical bird just slightly bigger than the last one until we got to a massive one at the end so I appreciated that yeah and then once you got through to where the eyes were I really liked that because I had never another thing I had never seen and obviously it was really dark what with them being nocturnal and things and you had to go in and be very quiet and I just thought it was a really nice touch and they'd thought of a really sort of clever nice way to adapt that sort of enclosure and um, so that visitors would still get to see them and I just thought it was quite cleverly done yeah with the red light to kind of allow mm-hmm. you to witness but it was still dark and it was still peaceful and it was still yeah fantastic and yeah like the way that they'd set that up meant that we could see those animals that otherwise we wouldn't normally get to see um mm-hmm. but without compromising on anything for them which I thought was good yes excellent that, very nice way of putting that I'm a big mm-hmm. a big fan um yes and yeah I think there's something about eyes that when you see them they are kind of strange looking in in pictures they always look like they've you, something has just kind of shocked them they look horrified <laughs> by it and in person they do still kind of look quite shocking but to see them in motion is always nice and interesting and yeah really stood out to me as well I think what also stood out to me excellent transition it's almost as if we planned our route on purpose was we then walked to their area which is kind of themed almost around Madagascar um, to see their different species of lemur and fossa and what really stood out for me I think were the sifakas which if you if you've not listened to the land of the lemurs i really recommend going back and listen to those episodes especially the ones about sifakas because susie lewis told me here's an interesting fact do you know how sifakas got their name oh you told me this when we were wandering through chester but now i can't remember remind me so sifakas got their name because as they make a noise where they kind of go and kind of click like that so that's how they got their name uh thank you susie lewis for that that was I'm breaking that out every time I see them. Um, so, yes. <laughs> but it was the a... first time I'd seen them. And I have to say, I mean, I all, I like lemurs in general. I've been lucky enough to feed lemurs in the past. And I think they're just so wonderful and charismatic and cute and just lovely. But the safakas especially were so cute. Like, mm-hmm. as lemurs go, one of the cutest got to be. They were just so fluffy. And I know that we appreciate all the animals and the underappreciated ones and not just the ones that are cute. But I have to take a moment to just say they were so cute. Mm-hmm. And it's there's no surprise that they are the only sifakas you've ever seen because they are, in fact, the only sifakas in the UK. They were the first ever to arrive in Europe. They are famously known for dancing. They came from, I believe it was the Duke Lemur Centre, to try and set up a European breeding programme for the species. So fantastic. That will be why. I like how I don't have that note written down. It's like I came up with that off the top of my head. But in fact, <laughs> I had it written down because I was like, I'm going to make sure I mention this because it's really interesting. They also had, of course, red rough lemurs. If you mm-hmm. don't know why I am terrified by red rough lemurs, you must listen to Learning to Love Lemurs um, because... I tell the story of when one I had an encounter with one in the past, but still nice to see them. And then, yes, this was kind of one of uh, the walkthrough areas of the zoo. You could walk through an enclosure and see them. And uh, yes, there was a person there, very friendly, um, working, trying to getting people through. There was an I think there was one on the outside, and there was also someone inside answering questions. Which there was, was yeah. I think um, if I remember correctly, the person outside because that was a walkthrough. 
it was um, one of the areas where they really had to enforce the mask wearing and um, mm. for the safety of the lemurs. So she was out there, I think, just making sure everyone was complying with that. And then the person inside almost looked to me like he was on doing some kind of tour or some sort of educational thing, but he might have just been in there to answer anybody's questions. But we kind of eavesdropped on what we uh, what he was saying as we went by and it sounded like he was giving a good chat. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, and again, yes, a fantastic space. You then got through the kind of walkthrough and arrived at the fossa. Which I always think it makes sense to group things by country. And it's one of my pet peeves when zoos don't group things by country. I like to have mm. things next to other things that they belong next to. Um, but it always seems cruel to group fossa next to lemurs because they're probably looking through the glass and thinking lunchtime. Um, <laughs> and those poor lemurs are probably looking through the glass and thinking run. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it was it was great to see such kind of a cohesive point where everything was kind of put together. The one thing I would say is we had a little trouble finding the lemurs just because of the way everything was kind of laid out. We kind of ended up at Mongoose, which- Yeah, uh, yeah, which, yeah, like we thought we were going the right way and then we turned a corner and there was like the Mongoose thing, which seemed like a cool little enclosure. Like it had a little, one of those sort of glass bubble things that you can crawl into and put your head up into to get a good view. We didn't because of COVID, but- um, <laughs> That seemed like a cool thing. Yeah, but it just felt like we we thought we were heading to lemurs and then we walked around a corner and stumbled upon the mongoose enclosure and a random family having a picnic on a bench. And it would just, mm. yeah, we were a little bit lost, but you know what, we got there in the end. I think what we're in fact learning is not that Chester Zoo had anything wrong, but that we just can't read a map. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we tried, we tried our very, very best. And I think we did quite well. Now, once we had found Madagascar, gone through Madagascar, I believe we took a brief lunch break at this point and then we returned to look at the Komodo dragons. Um, now the Komodo dragons are fascinating, they're the world's biggest lizard, they can get to be about three meters long. I remember this from when I was younger and it kind of was re-highlighted again when we visit Chester Zoo do work um, to try and protect the dragons in their habitat and try and kind of prevent human wildlife conflicts. They're trying to kind of get a survey, I believe, of all of the Komodo dragons um, in their native habitat. The, the issue there is, of course, that unlike deforestation, where it's not deforestation and habitat fragmentation all of the time, uh, this one is human wildlife conflict, um, which they kind of go for livestock and things, which creates conflict. And so it's important to know where they are, what they are. And Chester Zoo is trying to help raise awareness of that and help fund and run, I guess, uh, a full-scale survey of Komodo dragons in, I, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation of this place, Flores? Flores? So yeah, that's kind of a bit of work that they're doing. Um, now when we got there, this <laughs> the first time the Komodo dragon had his head in the hole and clearly did not want to be bothered, um, so we quickly walked past. But the second time he was up saying hello, which was very nice and uh, looking very, very confident and handsome. But then within the same building, I don't know if you have anything to say about the the Komodo dragon, Jody. but what I do know you will have something to say about and to explain to the listeners is your confusion around um, what was a mountain chicken. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so after we'd seen the, the dragon, we went through to another sort of room or section, which had, I have to say, a pretty hefty enclosure. It was big. It was sort of, there was a lot in it. You know, it was a nicely decked out enclosure and a sign talking about these chickens. So I'm like, oh, must be some kind of bird that we're looking for. We're looking everywhere thinking, how small must they be if we can't see them? And there was no picture to offer a reference for what we were looking for. And then one of us, I can't remember if it was me or you, eventually spotted the, the living creature that was in that large enclosure. And it turned out it was not in fact a chicken or even any kind of bird. It was some sort of frog 
or toad <laughs> thing and I was baffled I was re- that was a real surprise for me because I genuinely thought we were looking for a chicken mm-hmm. you're you, it was a real start standout moment for you somewhat unexpectedly just caught yeah. you off guard there yeah, um, it did. But you know what? Love it. Keeping me on my toes. The one other thing <laughs> I would say about that build, what was that building called? Can you remember? I think it was Dragons in Danger. Dragons, something like along those lines. Was it? Oh, I thought with that building, it was called something quite sort of vague. And so we didn't know what was in it until we'd gone in and then the Komodo dragon was in there. And it's like, oh, well, we might have missed that because we didn't realise that's what was in there. Because I thought, I couldn't remember what it was called, but I didn't think it was anything obvious. I thought it was vague. I think this was midpoint of me dragging you around going, we're going this way. Yeah, <laughs> you just got so. so lost. I know, and you're right. And also, you glossed over the, the lunch break, but I just want to jump in here and say, because I appreciate the whole zoo, not just the animals. I was very impressed with, like the selection of food and lunch options that they had on offer, especially given we went in November, because normally they would kind of, a lot of those outlets would shut down and there wouldn't be a lot of choice in the winter, but I felt like everything was still, you know, there was little snack cuts along the way that obviously would be closed in the winter and only open in the summer, but I felt like their whole sort of food operation was still running pretty well for the middle of the winter and I thought there was a lot of choice. Because we actually went to the light show the night before we went to the zoo properly and mm-hmm. all of these stalls were open and I assumed yes they were just open to serve kind of dinner to people who were going to the lights yeah but it was actually nice to kind of have the options of pizzas and all sorts of other things during the day as well so mm-hmm. yes that was excellent Hello everyone, just a quick note to say that because we talked for so long, (laughs) we are splitting this episode in two. Uh, We really hope you've enjoyed hearing this first part all about the realm of the red ape and the jaguars and all sorts of other stuff, but because we talked for two hours, we decided to break this up, give you a little bit of a time to process everything that we'd said so far, and yeah, next week you'll hear about all our experiences in the other half of the zoo, things like uh, the islands area, we've got the rhinos, we've got all sorts of stuff coming up that's really, really exciting really really fun and kind of our concluding thoughts as well which is obviously the most important part of our review um so yes i i should say i would like to say we planned this to be a, a grand spectacular two-parter for the the first ever rezu but in fact it is just me and jody wouldn't shut up uh, <laughs> as you can see we're very passionate about this uh so i hope you've enjoyed listening to what we've said so far and i hope you'll tune back in next week to hear even more If you would like to hear even more, of course, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your streaming service of choice. We're at Pangolin Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook. Just search Pangolin, the conservation podcast. And we are on LinkedIn. Just search the same thing there. Follow us, like us, subscribe, all sorts of stuff. We would be very, very grateful. On those platforms, we have received such amazing love and light and support and everything from all of you about this idea. And it just means the absolute world. And Thank you so, so, so much from the bottom of both mine and Jodie's hearts for that. It it means the the absolute world. But yes, I suppose I should go. We've already taken an hour of your time. And so thank you so much for listening. I really hope you'll tune back in next time for part two of our Rizu. And yes, for now, I guess it's just time to say one last massive thank you and (laughs) bye-bye.